Today I want to talk about finding your place in church and what that's supposed to mean. Uh, to a lot of us, the, the very idea of finding our place in church, well, we mightn't call it that, but it's very often based on consumerism. Um, just about everything else in society is based on consumerism these days, so why would the church be any different? You know what I mean by that? It's when a service is provided for me to consume. And, and um, so in a given locality, all the different churches in town may all be providing a different level of service. And so people shop around and, and so that I can find the product that best suits me. And if this particular church is providing the product that I want, and um, then I feel like I've found my place in church. Right on the pew, right there, taking it all in. And very often you'll find the most popular churches are the ones who have a number of staff who are there to look after your every need, your spiritual needs, your, your ministry needs, your family's needs, your pastoral needs and your worship needs. But that's not at all what finding our place in church is supposed to be about. And consumer Christianity might seem easy, but it'll very often lead to a very shallow experience of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. When I first moved to Dolby to work at the Ag College, uh, Robin and I were engaged at the time. And so when I turned up there, I, I shopped around. For, well, we talked with, I talked with Robin first about what church we'd want to become members of. And then once we'd talked about it and prayed about it, um, well, we then had to go and talk to go and join a church. Now, that, here's the thing. There are a few pretty big, um, alive and go-ahead sorts of churches in Dolby. Uh, one of them I'd had a past association with because six years earlier I'd been a student at the same ag college that I was now going to be working at. And when I'd gone to Dolby for a couple of years as a student, well, I'd been a member of the... Pre I'd attended the Presbyterian church there. And it would have been so easy for me to just slip into that church there where there was friends that already had, there were other staff at the Ag College who were working there. Um, it was alive, worship was vibrant, they had all sorts of Sunday school groups and kids clubs and young adult groups and youth groups and mothers groups. Uh, every service that you could possibly hope for was all there in that church. And I knew that I could just slip into that church and, and have church done to me for a few years. I knew that you know, I, could, I could learn from the preacher. He seemed like a really good preacher. I, I could enjoy the great music. I, I, I could do all of this with as little commitment as I liked. I could have become a consumer of church. Do you know what we did? We ended up joining one of the smallest churches in town, partly because Robin and I were involved at a presbytery level in running youth camps in that denomination, but mainly because we felt that's where God was calling us to be. And so I went and visited the minister, when, when I first turned up there and introduced myself, and I said, oh, did my minister from Gundawindi happen to contact you and let you know we were coming? And no. Uh, oh, that sort of surprised me. I thought they might have done that. And, but I said, oh, well, this is who I am. I'm getting married to Robin and later on in the year, and then I'm moving here. This is, here we are. And, um, and I knew from the moment that, that I knocked on his door and 
and that and we had that conversation and then his wife said well you better stay for dinner then and and we st- I stayed for dinner and and as we talked during dinner I realized that we had found a church who would put us in the harnesses and 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 get us serving Christ as part of his body little did we know though the journey that the Lord was going to take that church on and the journey that the Lord was going to take us on with that church it wasn't we weren't there for very long before the minister was a really nice fellow and I don't know how old he was he he seemed pretty old to me at the time but I actually suspect he's probably about the age that I am now or maybe a little bit older just a fraction just dropped out of a heart attack we don't we hadn't been there that long and that happened and then six or seven years later and two ministers later no they they didn't die as well um, but a couple of ministers later our church began to pray and when we began to pray we went through a bit of a revival as the people in our church began to find their place in the church a place where we weren't all just consuming a product a place where we were serving our lord to find our place in church is about discovering what part of the body am i and if i'm a hand am i a functioning hand am i something that's working or am i a paralyzed hand that doesn't move or if i'm if i'm an eye am i seeing stuff and am i then passing on to the rest of the body what i can see or if i'm a leg am i walking or does the rest of the body have to get pushed around in a wheelchair because even though i'm a leg i'm not functioning as a leg and i'm not being what i'm supposed to be now that's the metaphor of the church being a body it's the metaphor of us finding our place in the church and this being in the body and functioning as part of the body is very much an expression of our worship last week we learned about what true worship is true worship spiritual worship the worship that god is looking for is for us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god and for this to even be possible requires a complete transformation to a new way of life no longer being conformed to the world but being transformed change renewed to become more and more like jesus and it's a radical change it's like metamorphosis from a grub to a to a butterfly i was going to say grub to a caterpillar that's that's not much of a metamorphosis is it metamorphosis from a from a grub to a butterfly is a radical change and that's the sort of change that god works in us it's a transform of transformation of the old way of life to a new life in the spirit and as i finished off last week with with a bit of a bit of a hint of what we were coming to today the fact that true worship spiritual worship is about inner holiness and outward righteousness righteousness does not mean that it's something that we do apart from the rest of the church right just the fact that the worship god's looking for us is a transformed life doesn't mean that this happens apart from the rest of the church 
Living together as a bunch of Christians, being church together, is very much a part of this radical, transformed life, which is our spiritual worship. You know, there's a lot of people who claim to be Christians and they might say, oh, I don't have to go, I don't have to, go to church to be a Christian. I can worship God at home. You know, my transformed life is my worship. I don't need any church for that. Now, you probably know somebody who thinks along those lines. I'm pretty sure we all do. Well, let me tell you, they're either living in denial or they're living in ignorance because part of this transformed, holy life that is acceptable to God is for us to come together and for us together to be his body on this earth. That's the way God's designed it. That's his will. And God has designed that every single Christian be equipped with both natural and spiritual gifts. And these gifts are to be used for the building up of the whole church. God's designed that into you. You have been and will continue to be equipped with both natural and spiritual gifts. And those gifts that God gives you are to be used for the building up of the whole church. And so this transformation, this renewal of the mind, is not only about becoming a better, nicer person. It's also about coming to a proper view of oneself in the body of Christ. How do you view yourself in the church? Where do you fit in? What body part are you? Do you see yourself as an essential body part, something that the church depends on? Or do you see yourself as an unessential body part, something like a mole or, or maybe an appendix? You know, those parts of our bodies that don't really seem to do much and we don't even really know why they're there and, and we mightn't even notice them and the rest of the body don't even notice them until they start to get a bit angry and inflamed or something. Maybe you might be a little, think you, you might be like that. Nobody notices me, but they'll know me when I get cranky. Um, what part of the body are you? Do you have a proper view of yourself in the body of Christ? Some have too high a view of themselves and you can pretty much tell the difference for yourself whether you've got a too high a view of yourself or some people have too light, low of a view of themselves and it's a pretty easy assessment to make. If my attitude is, that church really needs me, then I'm probably thinking a little too highly of myself, don't you think? Yep. Even if a minister has that attitude, oh, that church really needs me, um, that's just thinking way too highly of yourself. But if my attitude is, church doesn't need me, I've got nothing to offer. If that's your attitude, then you've got a faith problem. Every member has essential gifts for the church, but no one member is more important than anybody else. And everybody has these gifts and everybody should be using them. Everybody should be practicing them. It, it is so important for us to be doing that. Unless you've been away for a few weeks, you've probably noticed the video camera that, that appeared four weeks ago. Uh, we, 
we've been asked to start recording these messages so that churches without ministers and, and, and home groups can access these messages to get a bit of Bible teaching. And a little confession here, a, a request like that very quickly appeals to the pride of a preacher. Um, but I also have some, had some concerns. And my concern is that churches may begin to rely too heavily on a Bible message that gets imported into their church each week and therefore get lax in using and developing their own spiritual gifts. So, if you're listening to this today, either on MP3 or if you're watching the video, I want you to know that we as a church are very pleased that we can help you as you follow Christ and as you grow in him. But my hope and my prayer is that you would never, ever neglect the gifts that God has given you and that you would never neglect your place in the church. Make sure you always meet together with other Christians whenever you're able. Even if you're way out in the middle of nowhere and you think there's no other Christians around, there's got to be someone who you can get together with. Make sure that you make it a priority to encourage one another. Don't neglect the gifts that God has given you. Be the body of Christ where you are. And we pray that these messages might help you in that. But I would be so disappointed if the provision of these messages either decreased your fellowship with other Christians or decreased your exercise of your spiritual gifts. Now, Having said that, those of us here can be just as much in danger of neglecting our spiritual gifts. Verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. All right? If we begin to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, well, that's pride and self-importance, and there's no place for that in the church. But instead, Paul tells us to think with sober judgment. What does that mean, to think with sober judgment? That means take stock of the situation and understand how it really is. each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You see, this has got nothing to do with how we feel. You might feel really important, or you might feel inadequate, or useless, or unnecessary. Forget about how you feel about it. What does God say about it? What does God say about your place in the church? Well, God says that we are all members of the body and we each has a function. God says, for as in one body, we have many members. All right, so we've got many different parts. We've got hands and feet and legs. But these members do not all have the same function. So though we are one body in Christ, many of us are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ According to the grace given to us, let us use them. 
So what does sober judgment tell us? Well, it tells us, forget about your feelings. The fact of the matter is, you have gifts. You might feel you've got nothing to offer, but you do. The fact of the matter is, you have gifts. The fact of the matter is, this church depends on you and your gifts. I belong to you. You belong to me. We are members of one another. I am deficient without you. You are deficient without me. The fact of the matter is, this is God's wonderful design and you are part of this. And the fact of the matter is, the biggest hindrance to people finding their proper place in the church today, I feel, is a lack of faith. God is gracious to us. He has given us gifts. That's the fact of the matter. Do you believe it? You know what faith is, hey? In faith, we believe in Jesus Christ and we believe that we're saved. We put our whole faith into God. But will you believe this, what God says too? God says, I've given you gifts. God says the church needs you. Is your faith big enough to believe that God has given you gifts? And then in faith to begin serving God. And you might be surprised how when you actually step out and begin to serve in faith, you might be surprised how the spiritual gifts that God has given you begins to show up and they begin to develop and grow. How does this work? Well, Paul gives us seven examples of spiritual gifts. It's not all of them. There's a few lists in, in various places throughout the New Testament of the spiritual gifts, and that we find seven of them here, but it's not all of them. And here we go. If you've been given the gift of prophecy, use it in proportion to your faith. Now, let me tell you, it takes a lot of faith to prophesy. If you believe that the Lord is giving you a message to share with his church so that God can speak into a specific situation, it takes a lot of faith to presume to speak on God's behalf. It takes a lot of faith. And for prophecy to be true, for it to be real prophecy, it must always come direct from God. It, it can't be from cold reading. It can't be from research or wise counsel. Prophecy only comes direct from God. And so we can only prophesy according to our faith. We can only share what we know that God has said. And don't add to it and don't take away from it. The next gift is service. And he gives a very logical bit of advice here. If your gift is service, use your gift by, guess what? Guess what it is? Serving. Yeah. Aren't you glad you've got a teacher here today? Somebody gifted in teaching that I can tell you, if you've got a gift of service, use it by serving. Now, but you might say, ah, yeah, I've only got the gift of service. Only? You know, the gift of service, it's, it's one of the most important gifts. The gift of service mows the widow's lawn. 
It, it minds the children of a single mother who has to go to the doctor. The gift of service helps set up church and it helps clean up again afterwards. The gift of service picks up the oldies and brings them along to church and maybe even picks them up during the week to take them and help them with their shopping. The gift of service d- delivers meals to those who are sick. If God has given you a gift of service, serve. And, and please don't hold back thinking, well, I've been doing this. It's somebody else's turn now. Yeah, you know, God has given you that gift. You are that part of the body. To do that, that would be like my feet saying, right, well, I've been doing enough walking now. It's time for the hands to have their go and to start walking around on my hands. That's not how we work. If you have the gift of service, serve and keep on serving. God has given you that gift. He has made you that part of the body. Do it. We also get similar advice for the gift of teaching. If you have the gift of teaching, who's going to guess what the te- gift, person with the gift of teaching has to do? Teach. You've got it. Yep, you could be a teacher, perhaps. <laughs> Somebody with a gift of teaching is to teach. That's what I'm doing right now. But you don't have to preach a sermon to, to have the gift of teaching. You might teach Sunday school. You might teach a simple kid story. Good kid story, by the way, Schultzy. Good job. And well done, Billy and Ken, with... <laughs> with descriptions and and drawings. Or you might be able to lead a Bible study. If you have the gift of teaching, teach. Now, but I'm going to promise you something. That doesn't mean that you won't be nervous. Yeah, some people think, oh, I I, I could never do any teaching. I'm just way too nervous for that. No, the gift of teaching does not take away your nervousness. Um but it does eventually subside with practice. I don't know if I've told you this before, but um, one of our ministers that we had when I was in Dolby, a fellow by the name of Ron Watson, was when I first started preaching, um, he actually said to me, you know, when I first started preaching, he said, I preached on Melanta for the first six months. And I thought, what is there to say about Melanta? Uh, for that he'd talk about it for six months. But no, um, his stomach was so upset, he was so nervous every time he was preparing to preach that he would have physically upset tummy and and he'd he'd just have to take Melanda each time before church. And I didn't connect the dots, but the first time that I preached, here's a bit of personal information you mightn't want to know, but the first time that I ever preached, I actually had diarrhoea for two weeks beforehand. But I didn't know. I knew I had. I didn't connect the dots. <laughs> the next time, a week before. And then later on, it sort of came down to just a couple of days before. And it was only then when, when the minister told that story again, how he preached on Melanda, I connected the dots. I was so physically nervous, nervous it affected my body. I still get nervous getting up here. But if you have the gift of teaching, teach. Robin will probably tell me to edit that out of the video, by the way. (laughs) Some people have the gift of exhorting. And that's exactly what they should do. Get alongside people and encourage them. Urge them on in their faith and urge them on in their gifts. In fact, if you've got the the gift of exhortation, you can use that after this service today. At Smoko time, you can get alongside other people and say, hey, Do you know what your spiritual gift is? I think you're really gifted in this. And I want to really encourage you to be doing it. And and by doing that, you will be using your gift of exhortation. 
If your gift is giving, do it generously. Now, we're all able to give something, and it's a very important principle that we should all be giving. We should all be giving to the work of the church. We should all be giving to those who are in need. That's a very important practice that we should all be doing. But some people have a spiritual gift of giving. Now, we're told in the scriptures to each give as we are able. But some people have a spiritual gift of giving and they just love giving and they just give more and more. They're just filled with generosity. Now, I want you to know you don't have to be rich to have the gift of giving. Somebody who has a gift of giving is just a very generous person. And when they see a brother or a sister in Christ who is in need, they just give. They help them out through tough times. And they give expecting nothing in return. They've just noticed that there was somebody there who was in need. And they may have even gone without themselves so that they could afford to give to the person who is in need and help them out. If you have the gift of leadership, do it with zeal. And this is where sober judgment kicks in. As Christians, we know it's really important to be humble. And this makes it pretty hard for a humble person to recognise that they might be a leader. Because we don't want to put ourselves out there as a leader. But if God has given us a gift of leadership, that's exactly what we've got to do. We have to lead. We see this in the New Testament. This is how God orders his church. He raises up leaders, elders, teachers, preachers to be leaders. And if those people are not stepping up to lead with enthusiasm and diligence, well, who's going to do the leading? The church needs leaders. And the final example that he gives is a gift of mercy. If you're someone who has a gift of being able to visit the sick and to care for the elderly or the disabled or to spend time with the lonely, don't grump about it. Do it with cheerfulness. Be merciful and enjoy being merciful. By the way, there once was a time in a previous church that we were in where they did one of these discovering your gifts type surveys and um, they assessed you on, they're trying to work out what gifts everybody had and so you sort of fill out the form and other people fill it out on your behalf and then you sort of do the tally up and see how it all came out and for the, I had a number of gifts and for the gift of mercy, does anyone want to guess what I scored? A big fat zero. <laughs> So, if anybody's needing a bit of mercy, look for somebody with the gift of mercy. Now, I, I pray that God is actually changing that about me. Um, the, the fruit of the Spirit actually tends to make up for some of our deficiencies as people. So, as I said, that wasn't an, an exhaustive list. It's just a few examples of spiritual gifts. But the point that Paul is making is this. We all have gifts. You have gifts. 
I have gifts. I don't have the same gifts as you. You don't have the same gifts as me. And he is exhorting us to use our gifts diligently and faithfully to strengthen the body's unity and to help it to flourish. This is finding our place in the church. It's not about finding a place where we can sit down on a Sunday and lap it all up. It's about stepping out in faith, using the gifts that God has given us to strengthen the body's unity and to help it to flourish. And also for us to recognise the gifts that are in other people and so that we can, we can understand their place in the church and help them to understand their place in the church. And I hope um, that uh, this morning, when you're having smoko, I'm, I'm going to say it now, it rained yesterday, wasn't it lovely? And isn't it cold today? Unseasonably cold. You know, we were actually thinking of, of having some baptisms today. I'm glad that we didn't, because if we'd done that at, at 8 o'clock in the morning or whenever, I would be freezing. Uh, and the... Uh, people getting baptised, but okay, we've got the weather out of the way. You don't need to talk about the weather after church, okay? Oh, how is the weather in Ireland? Wet. wet cold? Sorry, it wasn't cold, but it was wet. And it was green? Right, we don't have to talk about the weather in Ireland either. So no talking about weather after church. Guess what you're going to be talking about? Gifts. Talk about what it means to have your place in the body of Christ. Encourage one another. See how we go.